0: Hello and welcome back to Every Little Voice, a podcast about community music. I'm your host Richard Marcella, an executive director at the Regent Park School of Music in Toronto. This episode features a conversation with Nathan Petipa, a member of our Toronto First Nations school team. He's been working at that school for the last three years and outlining some very interesting uh, Projects that he's been doing with the kids there ages uh, from all the way from junior kindergarten up to grade eight. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is my talk with RPSM faculty member Nathan Petipa.
1: Your little Voice has a story to tell, and you wanna let it out. Okay,
0: check it. Yo. I you check, sound great So check. good Welcome to Every Little Voice A podcast we're producing here at the Regent Park School of Music About community music education I'm your host, Richard Marcella I'm here with our good friend and faculty member Nathan Petipau Welcome to the podcast Thank you Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here Yeah, it's crazy to be here uh, Nathan how long have you been working with the school? Uh, I guess just over a year and a half now. Just over a year and a half. February last year. And where do you come from? What's your background in
1: music? What brings you here? Uh, background in music is I'm a percussionist. Um, studied in Nova Scotia and then I came to U of T to study, as well. You're originally from Nova Scotia. I'm originally right? from yeah. Nova Scotia. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, and and then you moved over to U of T. Uh, yeah. I studied
1: at Acadia and then at U of T. And who brought you into the fold here at Regent Park School of Music? Um, it was Emily Labelle, ah. a composer who I'd worked with. Um, and she was sort of in, the, in on the ground level of piano makers. Yep. And I think she put my name in as somebody who she thought would be um, good for that sort of program. So and Pianimators was the program I started with. That's how
0: you got in. Interesting to me. Um I, I thought it might have been through uh through Tim Frankham, one of our percussionists, because I think you had helped move some percussion gear once. I, I am I remembering you? Were you for the school? You weren't working for us, but you came in? Maybe, yeah. That um, might have been through a woodshed. Yeah.
1: Was it through a woodshed?
0: Yeah, you do a lot of percussion lugging, don't you? Yeah you percussionists too much lucky so listen i think it's really cool how you come to our school it's through this kind of community um and you, you what i'm noticing with a lot of our faculty members is just the easing into it so you get in in one way and then
1: interesting enough, interestingly enough through piano meeting yeah which is what um it's sort of i described it recently as gorilla drop in music lessons well done we sort of set up shop at a piano in the programs that I were, was doing was based at a school, Westview Secondary School. Yeah. Um, there's a piano in the lobby and we just kind of set up shop with a bunch of other instruments and a piano and we try to be as compelling as possible so that anybody walking by who's remotely interested gets kind of sucked in. Yeah. And then once they're in, we start jamming with them and we give them sort of one-off music lessons on whatever they seem to be interested in at the time if they want to learn piano we'll teach them a couple chords and play a song or we'll teach them how to read you know a couple notes here and there or we'll sort of try our best to keep them engaged so that they come back next week and learn a little bit more but it's not a program where they sign up it's a program where they kind of drop in based on whether or not they're interested enough to come back so it's very uh it's very much based on being compelling and
0: and you were there from the ground up
1: right Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, I, as as part of um, what I do at the school, it was very interesting to kind of help and be in the mix of dreaming up what that program might be, because one of the tenets of it is 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 informal learning, trying to hit the kids. Your your description of gorilla is a good one there. Mm-hmm. Trying to hit the kids with music education or or an experience in music where they might not otherwise get it. Right. Right. And and it's not about necessarily piano uh, lessons, but it's more about connecting and using the piano yeah, as a exactly. meeting place.
1: exactly. It just happens to be where we meet because, yeah. you know, the piano is a good place to start. You know what's we weird can- about it? We get offered – like I, another reason why we're inspired to do this is
0: we get offered, uh, you know, a, literally a piano a week in terms of a donation. Hey, do you want my, my – you know, we're moving and, and we have a piano we want to donate to the school – we thought of it as a really good opportunity to kind of take that goodwill and put pianos like the Playman Muir's model that, that comes from the UK and that, that we've seen actually fly downstairs here right, in exactly. Regent Park in the vestibule. You put a piano
1: in a, in a quote-unquote weird place, good things start to happen. Yeah, it's pretty common to walk by that piano and have somebody just off the street playing it. Yeah. Which is great. It, it, is, a
0: it is a beautiful thing. And, um and so, what are, what are some of the things you've learned, both good and bad, in terms of your last year and a half? And maybe with, the, if you want to start with the pianimators as a as a starting point, um, in, in trying to bring a uh, an alternative program like that to life.
1: Oh well, uh, that's a loaded of question. There's a lot. Um, really catching the students where they're most interested as a starting place. And then sort of subtly bringing it to a place where they're learning, you know, music literacy or they're learning um social skills, like how to play as a group, how to work together and that sort of thing. Hmm. It's. I think this is the biggest thing that I've learned from that in my other programs is find where they're interested and use it. that as a starting ground. Cool. And, yeah. you know. Yeah. What well, doesn't that Subconsciously, yes, yeah, subconsciously yeah. lead it to where they're actually learning what you want them to be learning. Yeah. But if you start by, you know, force feeding them whatever, they're obviously not going to, they're not going to respond to it as well as if they feel like they came in with agency and said, I want to learn this. Right. On. And then it turned into whatever you wanted it to turn into. But I saw a video that,
0: uh, one of our colleagues, Zebulon, had, had sent, uh, which was piano accompanying theremin. Okay. Out there, out there at Westview. So you guys are really doing everything from ukulele to, to pop tunes to experimental stuff, eh?
1: Yeah. And Zebulon's great for that because he has a, you know, garage full of weird instruments and he's yeah. more than willing to bring yeah. an electric drum kit one week and then a theremin another week. And then, you know, whatever he should happen to have garbage can drums. He brought it, he and I brought a tankaphone one time, which is an instrument that he made and it's a, approximately tuned octave of empty fire extinguisher tanks amazing that you just play with a you know a bolt and it's very abrasive but very wild and compelling and we had the the lobby just jam-packed with students who are like what is that can i play that let's um i believe we have a recording of
0: that let's play that now amazing right like this is a uh, so that's kind of I'm assuming that an experience like that excites
1: you as it, as much as it does the kids, right? Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I mean, mixing it up as much as possible, you kind of get more excitement out of them and that feeds your own excitement and you, inspires you to go in different directions with it, right?
0: Yeah. One thing I've noticed about your teaching with the school is you've really come on uh, in a way and formed really great teams. Like we we spoke about um, Zebulin but it it's, it also goes beyond that collaboration in terms of. Well, you, you guys are growing something really great with um, with Heather and with uh, with Jasper. Uh, Jasper in terms of the Toronto First Nation School. Yeah, that, you know that was my second that? program. Yeah, let's the talk second about program that. That I
1: got into. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, tell me tell me about that. How that's kind of evolved from year one to where you're at right now? Because I've seen a beautiful evolution there, and, and and that actually inspired me to call you and say, let's talk about it here with the microphones up.
1: Right. Um, year one was, um, was pretty intense. It was, we did, I think eight or 10 weeks Yeah, last I mean, year at the end of the year.
0: Yeah. It was, it, we started it in April of 2014,
1: 2015, April of 2015.
0: Yeah. Who's counting? Who's counting? So, but I mean, uh, so yeah, it was 2015, pardon me. And Nathan, you came on board with this team of four reaching about 98 students at that time. It was yeah. the entire school, right, from K
1: all the way up to 8? Yeah, exactly. And the model that we started with was we had, it's called Nonsense Orchestra, and we had a room full of, you know, mismatched instruments, and we thought we would spend the 8 weeks or 10 weeks or whatever it was exploring all of these different instruments through, um, we would sort of give them, a lesson on each individual instrument. Teach them how to hold a trumpet, how to get a sound out of a trumpet, mm-hmm. and then give everybody a chance to play a trumpet.
0: Now, did you feel um, inhibited as an educator bringing that to life, not having the? Comp- Do you have confidence on a trumpet? I not know. remotely. Okay, amazing. Not remotely. Now, Heather does. Heather does. So the, yeah. the team was formed in a way that you would complement each other. But
1: were there times where you, you were feeling uh, equally vulnerable to the student? I would say almost all of the time. Amazing. Yeah, because we have this, you know, this room of mismatched instruments. And after we had gone through the process of introducing them all to each individual instrument, we started putting it together in ensembles and doing sort of conduction games where we would give a certain signal that would, that would refer to a certain way of playing, like a hand gesture or something. And so we that's would kind con- of that's a- shape them. That's conduction for those listening
0: at home that might yeah. not know the term. It would be like if I – if I what's an example? What's the most basic
1: cue you might give? In the can- absolute most basic one would be if we raise our hand really high, it meant play louder. If we go lower, it would mean play it softer. So I this see. like spreading your hands wide, I guess, would be loud. Really close together would be soft. And then that way we can kind of shape how they play without them necessarily having a lot of technique because that was the issue that we were running into, like you were saying – where i don't play violin and none of the others on the team play violin so we were more than happy to introduce them to the violin but we had none of us were willing to pretend like we knew what we were talking about in terms of technique or you know teaching them how to properly play the violin tell me
0: uh, like before we go any further on that subject though is is that an issue to you i mean the point of a school like ours is is um, you know I get asked this question quite a bit as a community music school how we might define what we do I'm wondering how how do you grapple with that balance of excellence versus engagement and well I think the two go hand in hand
1: actually but you see what I'm saying you see kind of see yeah, where I'm going with that absolutely absolutely and it's I mean I battle with it a lot cuz I I want to teach them technique and I want to teach them theory and I want to teach them how to really play the instruments really well. Yep. But obviously that doesn't engage everybody, especially considering I don't have the ability to teach violin in that way or trombone in that way or trumpet in that way. Right. Um, So you're almost teaching uh, more of the curiosity.
0: You're you're trying to get them hooked in, in many angles in many ways and then try to feed that. If, if, if a virtuoso comes uh, to the violin, You can kind of smell it, look at it, and go, "Okay, I'm going to try to feed this or or steer them in that direction."
1: Yeah. Or you know, I mean, yeah, it's an. Guide them to the school itself, where there's an actual violin teacher who can actually teach violin properly. That's right. Catch the pass, right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that's where we kind of ran aground last year. We had these eight to ten weeks, and by the end of it, the kids were, you know, they enjoyed, for the most part, going through and exploring these instruments. But also, by the end of it, they kind of had this feeling of what's the point? What are we actually learning in all this? Mm-hmm. And that was something that we really came up against hard by the end of it. Because how, did you,
0: um, how did that come across? Like, was it evident? They were blatantly asking, what's the point?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah actually, yeah. There, at, there times, no, no at times. Even okay. the teachers at times.
0: The other teachers from the school. Well, convincing the homeroom teachers is part of the game when you're doing alternative music education. Yeah, teachers, exactly. No,
1: yeah. So this past year, we did things totally different. We met beforehand and really sort of shaped the direction that we wanted to, the year to go. So, so the we,
0: team, the teaching team of you, Zebulon, Heather, and Jasper, yeah. and and our admin staff, I think we, you really kind of honed that. You said if we're going to be with them from September to June, we best have a, a good a plan, right? Yeah, that, exactly. That's kind of how it went?
1: Exactly. So, and, okay. And we wanted to sort of keep the idea of the nonsense orchestra being – you know, free for exploration because that's sort of the mandate of the whole program. Mm-hmm. But we also wanted to teach music literacy skills through that so that they had a sense that they were actually developing and growing as musicians and oh, learning man. something. Every week you seem to have a different plan. Well, i, I That's kind of the name of it because yep. we had to make it something that we could um, keep them compelled with. And if we sat and clapped rhythms for an hour every single week, by the end of the second week, they'd throw their hands up in the air and be like, this is dumb, you know. So... High level. What were some of the th- the overarching things that you looked at? Uh, right off the top, we started with rhythm reading because we thought if we could get them reading rhythms, then we could get them playing together in an ensemble fashion. We could get them playing a pattern together over a longer space of time than just making noise. Okay.
0: And through the prior eight weeks, you knew a lot of these kids, and they were recurring. Like they they. You met them up again
1: in September and it was like you had a relationship that was already growing, which is really important. It was was very helpful. Definitely, definitely very helpful. Um, and also the, the point of teaching rhythm right off the top is that we didn't necessarily need to teach them how to hold a violin or how to, you know, how to set up a clarinet mouthpiece because we could just have them clapping these rhythms. And that's something that all of us could teach Mm -hmm. with confidence and we could all help them with with confidence. So we started with, you know, we're going to teach them how to read rhythms, and we're going to teach them how to... We're going to continue with the, you know, conduction exercises that we were doing and the were they graphic condu- scoring exercises that we were doing. Were they conducting each other? Yeah, totally. Okay. We had them conducting each other with these signals, and we, we we got into drawing graphic scores for them. Okay. And, What's a graphic score? Um, It's sort of like in, I guess you'd say, an image or a graph yeah. that we were drawing on their, you know, classroom chalkboards or marker boards. And they would either sing along with it or we would say, you know, let's play on the table just with our hands. And the high, like anything that happens high on the board, we'll say is very loud or very high pitch. Anything that happens very low on the board, we'll say maybe it's very quiet or it's very low pitch. So if they were singing and the, the graph went up and then down, they would do that shape with their voice. I see. And that opened the door for them to actually be reading... You know, pitch space on the board, even if it's not on a staff directly, you're they're kinda, still reading pitch space. So you're store.
0: kind of like, you're, you're, you're going from a very blurry version of reading into more refined, oh, owning you it, you accidentally
1: owning learned how to read music almost. Exactly. Neat, exactly. Neat. So it's sort of, again, the gorilla methods of, we don't want to come in and say, we're going to teach you how to read classical music. Because yeah. They might just tune out right away. Right. But if we say, let's follow this graph. And it also opened the door for their input, too, because then we're like, okay, now you understand the concept of it. Who wants to draw one? Yeah. And then, of course, they would come up and they would love doing that, just you know, draw a graph. And then they get to conduct their way through it. So they're composing right? their own music. They're and composing their it. own music and conducting it in a very rudimentary way. Yeah. But it's still giving them agency over creating music and guiding their classroom through it. Um, we we have recordings.
0: Uh, from what you did at the end of the year okay. w- with Toronto First Nation School, right? Yeah, that you 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 shared with us at the end of the year, and I was blown away. And, and uh, I think now's time. Why don't you introduce one of those recordings now? Which one do you want to start with? It's your world, Nathan Petty. Okay, so we did a handful of different programs with. What was your favorite? Or don't say that. Which one
1: would you like to cue up now? The one that we came to first was a songwriting program that we did with them where we uh, progressively had them selecting chords to write harmonic music. So we would would play the music because we weren't in a position where we could teach all of them how to read chords Mm -hmm. together. But we did a series of exercises that gradually got more and more specific in terms of which chords to place next to each other for certain harmonic passages. I see. So it started off, we had a list of all of the major chords. Yeah. And we said, pick whichever major chords you want and we'll play your succession of chords, each chord for four beats, and you'll just get a sense of it. You'll get to hear what it sounds like. So of course, when you have all of the major chords and you're picking randomly, the first two or three sound amazing. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's, yeah. it's it all sounds very, you know, harmonious because they're all major chords and right. they're pleasant, but they move in ways that don't really make a whole lot of sense. So it's kind of surprising. Uh. And at first they were loving it, and like oh this is great. And then by the fourth or fifth one they kind of were like, wow, they all kind of sound the same, don't they? Huh. We we're like, yes, they do. Why is that? They're getting to it. They're yeah. figuring it out. They're starting. Yeah, they're starting yeah. to realize why does it all sound the same. Uh-huh. And then we came to the conclusion that well, if they're all major chords. And there's no rhyme or reason as to what the order is, yeah. then it's all going to end up sounding, you know, it might sound cool at first, but if you keep listening to it, it all kind of sounds the same. So then we threw minor chords into the mix okay, okay. and they could pick between a major chord, which we demonstrated for them. And they also oh, know it sounds more happy Yeah. and a minor chord, which they said, oh, it sounds more sad or, you know, and you submitted that you gave us that. Well, I'm uh, getting to that. Okay, we, okay. we sort of went through this with major and minor chords so they could yeah. choose whether they want, you know, they could choose the mood that they wanted. They want this part to be happy and this part to be sad. Right. They were more happy with that. And then we honed it further <sighs> to get them to, we had like a circle of fifths of major chords with a super c- circle of fifths of minor chords superimposed okay. on it oh, whoa. so that the relationship from one chord to the next was the movement of one note. Uh huh. Right? So, uh-huh. let's say you start with a C major, the next chord to it would be an E minor, so one okay. note moves and it becomes a minor chord. Uh-huh. And the next one to that would be a G major, so only one note moves. So then they get to choose, you know. So it's almost a wheel you create. It's a, a wheel, a, yeah. Okay. yeah. Okay. It's okay. A, Neat. a chord progression wheel. just based right. on two circle of fifths. Right. But then they could not only choose the mood by major or minor, but they could also choose how, um, distant the chord sound. If they wanted a smooth transition, they could just go by one step. If they wanted a really disjunct transition from one chord to the next, they could jump across the circle. Okay. And so then they had a little bit more agency, even if they weren't totally understanding what was going on. Theoretically, they still had agency to actually write music holy cow and this was let's just stop
0: for a sec before we play the tune the piece that i'm not even at the piece yet he's not kids he's not even at the piece yet. but this this is the progress that he's made with with, essentially within uh, seeing these kids for an hour a week once a week from september all the way through to
1: june keep going nathan this is exciting so from that point these were all based on worksheets that we would give them and they would fill out And choose chords and we would play it back for them on piano. So they were hearing it and they were having agency over it. Yeah. So from here, we moved to another worksheet that Zebulon made, which was brilliant, Mm -hmm. which listed chords and it had three sections to write a bridge, uh, verse chorus bridge. Okay. So they could, you know, choose the, choose how many chords they wanted. By circling a number, they could choose a time signature by circling a number, mm-hmm. and they were understanding time signatures because we were teaching them rhythm. Amazing! So they could circle a time signature, they could circle a number of chords, and they could circle the chords that they wanted. And they had one line, okay, to write whatever line of text that they wanted. Oh, so amazing. they were writing a song. Okay, so in. Previous weeks, we had done uh, request hour where they would request a song and we would analyze it for them and pick it apart and show them why it worked and right. why it made sense and what the structure was. So, we would show them what the bridge meant, what the chorus meant, what the verse meant. Uh-huh. And we did that over the course of a number of weeks. And then we got to the point where we're like, okay, now we're going to let you write So you guys know what a verse is. You guys know what a chorus is. You guys know what a bridge is. You guys know the harmonic language and the rhythmic language, at least on a very rudimentary level. Yeah. Not like they couldn't. It's a building block. It's a building block. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they now felt like they knew at least enough of it that they could piece together their own song based on this worksheet that Zebulon had laid out for them. Okay. So they would just write one line of text and the lines of text were absolutely brilliant. Give us an, an example. My favorite one that we had was How Many Food, How Many Food, 85. How Many Food, How Many Food, 85. And that's the song that maybe we could play. We've got a recording of them doing it. Okay. Um, Here it comes now. How Many Food, How Many Food,
0: 85. Toronto First Nation School, collaborating with RPSM. Here it comes. Well, yeah. That was as bonkers as you said it was going to be. Thank you for that, Nate. Of course. Um. And, and and one of the other things was the
1: soundscape thing that you you had done. Do you want to talk briefly about that? Yeah, of course. So we were getting toward the end of the year and they have, at the end of the year, they have their powwow and they present what they've been working on through the year as yeah. part of their powwow. So yeah. there were murals from their our classes that they had done and they had asked us to present something. Okay. But they said, you have 10 minutes. Present something, you have 10 minutes. And that's five classes over eight grades with... We yeah. Had 90, 98 students. Wow. Right? Whoa. Yeah. In 10 minutes. Yeah. So we kind of had to sit down and say, what are we possibly going to do that's going to represent all of these grade levels well? In 10 minutes. Right, because you guys were doing everything from
0: opening up a piano and having live guitars on a stand and, th- and having the whole class throw ping pong balls at them and, right. and hearing the music that that would bring through to the prior composed how many food, how many food, 85. So, right,
1: so songwriting,
0: yeah, and yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. A little bit of keyboard that? with the older kids. How do you present that in 10 minutes, right? Exactly. Tough. Okay, so what'd you do? So we just sat down and we said, "What? Do, what does each grade have to show for this year? Yeah. And the first, the kindergarten class and the grade one class um, learned very rudimentary ryth- rhythmic stuff, but they didn't really get into the songwriting. They didn't get into
0: okay.
1: any, any of the more involved material, yeah. but they did do a lot of score uh, graphic score reading and right. writing. So we right. said, okay, their portion would be graphic score's. So what they did that we can best represent what they've covered is graphic scores, and they're beautiful. You shared some of them with me. Yeah, there's, there's, I think we still have some of the images that they drew. So we had them, we handed all pieces of paper out to the students. Yeah, we said draw something that you want represented in sound. Okay, and then we took them all in, and one by one we went through them, and we said, "Who drew this one? What sound did you have in mind for this?" Yeah, and they gave a sound. Oh, great, beautiful. Can all of the class do it? Great, beautiful. Uh-huh. And we went through all of them and then we started just conducting by showing the images. Right? So we'd okay. show an image and we'd mix it up and show a different image and yeah. from having gone through each of them individually, they remembered all of them it, and they were able to It meant something. They could it meant play it. something. Yeah, they could yeah. read it and understand what wow, it meant. Wow, wow. So that's that's the kindergartners in grades one and two. Okay. So the grade three and four class did exceptionally well with rhythm. I think they were the most keen on the rhythm reading stuff, okay. okay. Of any of them. Okay. Interesting. So we had them write four-beat phrases, uh, rhythmic phrases, and then we divided them into different groups. I think we had four different groups with four measures each. Mm -hmm. And they got to choose which sounds. They did body percussion and vocal sounds. They got to choose which sounds they used for their rhythmic passage. I see. So they were playing a written rhythmic passage that they had composed using sounds that they had decided on. So some of them did stomping. Some of them did like vocal sounds and clapping or whatever. Right. That was their contribution. Neat. The other group, the, and that presents really well,
0: right? Like there's a certain, Oh man, like,
1: yeah, there's a good unity to it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The whole whole group working together and it's really powerful. Yeah. Um, and the grade five and six class and the grade seven and eight class, they were the class that we worked on with songwriting they were the class we did some conduction, we did some rhythmic stuff, yeah. but we also managed to get into a lot of um, piano work with them. Okay. So we taught them how to read notes on a staff. We taught them how to find the notes on a keyboard. Okay. So they had more keyboard understanding, but it was still very rudimentary because we didn't really have a whole lot of time right. to right. really get you know 20-some kids or 30, 40-some kids among the two classes okay. all proficient on keyboard. So what we did is we wrote a piece... I wrote a piece that was a wash, a wash, a wash. It was um, there was uh, three different voices. There was a high voice, the low voice, and the middle voice. Yeah. And each voice had three different cor- three different diads, so three different two note chords. Singing voice or playing voice here? Playing, playing voice on, yeah, on the piano. Playing on, on the keyboard. The, on the okay. Keyboard. Okay. Um, and it was written in such a way that no matter how you combined, yes. Any of these three voices on any of their three parts, it would still sound kind of cool. Good, right? Yeah. But it wasn't something as simple as just you know putting it all in pentatonic or putting it all in C major. Because the then Carl I mean, Orff, uh, yeah, then the wash Schwab would get the, the wash would get a little bit yeah kind yeah. of dull. Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay, okay. So I wanted it to be something that was really interesting to cool. listen to. Cool, cool, cool. That it had is some variety. Yeah. But that was still simple enough that they could play it. So then what we did is on the board we would put. High, mid, low, and a number representing one, two, or three from okay. their three parts. Okay. Right? Okay. Or zero for not playing. Okay. So say if I wanted all of them to start on the first part, on yep. high, mid, and low, I would put one, one, one. Yeah. And then I would give a downbeat. So yeah. we, we taught them how to, you know. Cue it. Give and receive like a, a cue, a downbeat yeah. cue. Yeah. yeah. And they would all start on the keyboard's on a really sustained sound. So maybe they had like synth voice or synth organ or, you know, synth strings or something, just something that had a lot of sustain so that it made this like wash. So we give a cue for, we write what number we wanted them to play from their individual voice because everybody was assigned a certain voice and a certain range on the keyboard. And we give a cue and they would all start to play. And then we would erase it, write down the next one, give them a minute to find where their next notes were because it's important that they had a chance to know where they were going next. And since it's a sustained part, they could keep their fingers on the keys while looking for the next part. Uh Right. Uh They didn't need to be doing anything super intricate. So we'd give them the next next instructions of which part to play and then give them a second, give a cue, and they would all shift together. And once they all got used to reading this sort of language... He started being able to say, okay, now who wants to conduct it? So then what we did on the overall piece was we started with the wash. Yeah. And then we just alternated between the graphic scores for the younger kids. Yeah. The rhythmic part with the three and four class back to the graphic scores. So, back, and it was just a back and forth while so, the wash happened in the background. So
0: let me get this straight. The entire school played at the same time. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, if your ears are feeling a little dirty at home, this is your chance now. For the Uber wash, here it comes now. Uh, Toronto First Nation School uh, bringing to, to life what Nathan's just been describing. Enjoy it! Wow, blown away by the work that you guys achieved, uh, and congratulations to you and all of those kids for, for for making that happen. It's it's one of our our finest this year. I gotta say, oh, thank um, you, thank Nathan. You. Nathan, what is Give me one story of a of a child from that school who who you felt impact was 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 impacted or who who just changed over the year. Like I I really saw like when I was at the powwow, I noticed all those kids coming up to our team. You Heather Zebulon at the time, and even asking for Jasper, giving Heather hugs. You know. It was evident just physically seeing how much these kids had bonded with you guys and, and, and the music that you made is really inspiring. But
1: can you give me one story of something that stuck with you? Uh, we had one student at the end of last year, at the end of our first year, yeah. who disliked the program so strongly that he stormed out of our last class and said, I decided that I don't like music and didn't want to take part. Yikes. And by the end of this year, he was really excited about playing piano. And he was really strong. He was easily one of the stronger students in the class. He was able to read the notes really quickly from the staff to the keyboard. He had a great coordination in terms of being able to play through different chord progressions. Mm-hmm. Head and shoulders, he was he was really keen above most of the other students. You got to love that. And yeah, from last year where he decided he didn't want anything to do with it to this year where he was actually very keen and actually and very good. And he was able to able to hold his own on the keyboard for anything that we had thrown at him.
0: Right on, so. right on. That's so great to hear. I mean, that's the the, the ultimate um, fear of any music educator would be, I don't want to make music for the rest of my life. Yeah, it it's like, awful. Oh my gosh, Oh my awful. gosh, Oh my gosh. Right. So great to hear that that's, that that's happening and we're, and definitely seeing it and hearing it. And, um, well, thanks Thanks for sharing your stories today with us. Thanks for having me. And, uh, and, yeah, stay tuned next week when we share more stories from our community music school. Goodbye. Thanks again for listening to Every Little Voice, a podcast about community music. My name is Richard Marcella, and we'll see you again next month as we highlight another one of the many amazing stories found at the Regent Park School of Music in the city of Toronto. Bye for now.